Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hunt the Wild podcast. This is episode two with Dr. Josh Farr. How you doing, Josh? Doing great, Adam. Good. Good to hear, man. It's nice to have you on here. I know we've been talking on TikTok and stuff for a little bit. Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Um, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and a little about your business and what you like to hunt and just, you know, those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Josh Farr, I'm from central Pennsylvania. I uh, teacher by nature, but uh, I also own my own business, which is Drop Time Custom Skull Dipping. And I started that here in the past few years. It's a start out primarily as like dipping skulls, hydro dipping skulls, but uh, I kind of evolved more into now like firearms, Serico, uh, pretty much anything that somebody can dip. I, I've been doing for people. So I've had people bring me in some automotive parts. I mean, all types of weird things that uh, just kind of took off from there. But primarily I focus on skulls here the next few months with hunting season coming up and then uh, and customizing a lot of firearms for people with uh, specific logos or brands and things of that nature. I have a few I'm working on now for some ladies that are pinks and purples and things like that. So quite unique. Uh, but uh, I grew up in central PA. I've been hunting for ever since I can remember as a child. Uh, my grandparents all uh, got me out frequently. My grandfather, especially, he got me out all the time. Every season we were out fishing, hunting is a year round process. Uh, so pretty much here I hunt mostly whitetail and turkey. Uh, we do hunt bear, but where I'm at, like it's not the best for hunting for bear. We have to go up the mountain a little bit. Uh, and then a few other things too, hunt coyote in the winter and things of that nature. But primary here where I'm at in my region, it's mostly whitetail. Um, it's been interesting the past few years because Pennsylvania went to more of a structured point system for the deer. Uh, so the past few years, we've been getting some more trophy and monster whitetail out of our area, which is definitely helping things for our management issue. So I have to ask you, Josh, how did you get involved in, in doing this dipping stuff? Did you just like pick it up as a hobby? You just like wanted to do your own or no, it's so, got to be somewhat complicated. Right. I uh, started out with my own. Uh, I started shooting some, like I said, some nice deer and stuff. And I'm not sure like what taxidermy is in your area, but it can get quite costly here in my area uh, very mm -hmm. quickly. Any. I mean, you look at a shoulder mount on the low end, we're talking five, 600 bucks. And one of my buddies do it. That's like a real good professional. You know, he's, he's somewhere up in that 1800 range. I mean, so it, it adds up quite quickly. And I started shooting some deer that were very nice deer, but I wouldn't say huge trophy deer. So I said, seen these mounts out there. I've seen some different people doing some hydro dipping. I said, I'm going to give this a shot. So I started out like in a tub. I watched all these YouTube videos and all these reading these things. I'm like, I think I can do this. First few I did, they came out okay. They didn't come out great. And then I just kind of went from it from there. So I did a few of my own and a few of my hunting buddies. It just kind of went from there. And then all of a sudden, like people at my work and, you know, my dad would start telling people about it. And all of a sudden I had a good influx of people saying, hey, uh, we want these here. So the past two years is really when it's started to fly for me quite a bit. Uh, I have a professional setup now. I have a specific tank. I mean, the activators, the air guns, HPLV guns are like 
crazy expensive and you know air hoses and all that stuff and yeah i've had a lot of practice it's just figuring out what different films and everything you want to use and it's a big learning curve i'll tell you that uh these people that do it on youtube and stuff they make it look real easy and it's not by any means <laughs> and uh, i'm quite a perfectionist to begin with so I get quite frustrated sometimes when things don't want to come out just right. Or if I just see a minor detail that just doesn't look great, but uh, it's, it's definitely a lot harder than what it looks. I can tell you that you see people do it all the time online. It's not that easy. They're cut out quite a bit. I, I uh, consult with a guy down in Georgia and he's a big company, very good things. Like mm -hmm. he cuts out his videos and stuff all the time. I think he's in year 10 or 11 right now. And he even still like makes mistakes and things happen. It just doesn't set up right and prep. It's, it's very finicky. It's uh, even the film and stuff. I have to keep it at a certain temperature, certain humidity level all the time. How long you put it on the tank, like it's all different things. How much spray you put on. I mean, there's a lot of variables that go into it, and each one's a bit different. So definitely not harder than what it looks. I can tell you that. I imagine it could be nerve wracking too, because you're working with people's, you know, prized possession that they've been after <sighs> maybe sometimes three, four, five years trying to trying to get a deer. <laughs> Absolutely. I had uh, a few this year that were came in and they were monsters. I mean, we're talking 170, 180 class deer that were just, I, they brought it into me and I'm saying, are you sure you don't kind of want to like, you know, full mount on this or shoulder mount, something different? And I'm like, no, 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 we want this. So that was a little nerve wracking at first, just because they were so big for me even to get them in my tank to begin with. You got to hit them with a certain angle and stuff, but they're like, my tank's like uh, six and a half feet by four and a half, five feet. And I'll tell you, some of these big ones were taking it up pretty good. So it can be definitely nerve wracking. Uh, this past year, ironically, I had a lot of people come in with their first year. So a lot of kids came in, they wanted them done with different cool patterns, you know, whatever they would like. And uh, I didn't advertise this at the time, but a lot of the parents was hoping that I could get it turned back around to them by Christmas time. So it could be like a uh, present for them or just kind of a surprise for them. So our, our deer season runs right after Thanksgiving to like the second week of December and talk about nerve wracking. <laughs> I had to turn these deer, like these deer heads around like instantly. And with the whole COVID and the pandemic, like shipping was hanging me up. I was, I was dipping skulls, you know, Christmas, like Christmas Eve. Oh so I could get them gosh. out to people to get yeah. them for the, underneath their tree. Like, it's like, I felt horrible, but it's just one of those things, you know, and you want it to be right. You want it to look right. It's like, and I'm here at 10 o'clock at night wrapping Christmas presents for kids. I don't even know. So, <laughs> so do you guys have uh, like patterns you pick out or how, I mean, is it just like camouflage? How, do, how does somebody go about picking it? And also when you get the skulls, are they clean? You guys clean them with beetles. You guys pressure wash them. How's that work? So as far as patterns go, I have, I pretty much use different mossy oak ones. They're branded. Uh, I use a lot of, uh, I think it's called HTC, uh, True Timber I use too, quite a bit of mm -hmm. those. Uh, so a lot of things that you see like in Bass Pro, Cabela's, all those camos, I, I have access to all of them, Vail, um, it, pretty much any camo that's out there. Like I have QU, I have, I mean, pretty much anything you can get, I dip. There's a lot that I recommend just because I had a lot of use with them and know how they kind of come out, things like that. Um, but there's literally thousands and thousands of films out there if it's something you can imagine it's probably out there and i'm not talking just like there's probably there's hundreds of just camo patterns alone um but then you're talking they have cartoons and they have skulls and they have flames i did a 
fire department one for a guy. I had uh, huh. a guy wanted a like kind of the chrome that you see on a truck, like on the like the floorboard there. Mm-hmm. He wanted that, so I got a film that looked just like that. And I like a it, diamond, it looked, like a diamond plate or something. It's a, exactly a chrome diamond plate, and that's what he wanted on a skull. So I mean, there's thousands yeah. of opportunities out there, and I always tell the people like, I'll give it a shot. I don't know how it's going to come out because each brand's a little bit different, but I've had quite good success with that here lately. I had a guy just recently bring me in. He wanted true, uh, real tree. And I'm like, I do mossy oak. I do true timber. I've never done real tree. It's branded. It's very hard to get. And that was a pain. That was, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, but uh, it's just pretty much anything anybody can imagine. It's out there. I mean, colors, I mean, action figures, I'm, anything you want. They have all these different things with flags is very popular up here where I'm at. Okay. Uh, so they have ones with Constitution, Second Amendment, just red, white, and blue. I mean, it, the sky's the limit here. So anything you want, I can probably get. And if I can't get it, odds are nobody else can either. And then what, with that, too, I also do a lot of custom work. So uh, recently, I had a guy uh, just come in. He wanted some custom cups. So I dipped them uh, in a good camo. Actually, I have a pattern here. You can see it, too. Oh, yeah. But it's... Uh, it's that Cryptek that's new out, and it's, I don't know if it's popular where you're at, but it's really yeah, starting I've to seen, come on. Yeah, I've seen it quite a bit, yeah. Where I'm at, so he wanted in Cryptek, and then uh, I actually put his logo for his business on it, too, so I can smack that right on there. It doesn't look like a sticker or anything. It's, it looks like it's just part inside of the film, so I do a lot of work with those things, too. But, uh, yeah, tons of opportunities. If you think about it, I did a specialty one for a guy. He was in the Harry Potter, and I... I remember Harry Potter a few years ago, but that's not quite my genre. So yeah. he had me, he looked up this logo. He wanted smack on the deer's forehead and I did it for him and it came out pretty good if you're into those things. So uh, all types of possibilities. Um, as far as the skulls go, do, are they clean when they come in or? 90% of them are not clean. Uh, I will have some people bring some in that are clean from the ones that were shot in previous years or things they had lying around, maybe their grandfather shot or something like that. So I do get that in occasionally, but 90% of the ones I get in are just cut off right from the butcher. They cut them off at the shoulder themselves. So they come in. Um, typically, I tell people, just let me do the work on them. I'll, I'll skin them. I'll do everything we need to. So just chop them off. Don't even mess with them because that's when things get, you know, interesting yeah. sometimes people who don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll prep them up and I have beetles. So I have, uh, I don't they multiply like crazy, but I would say probably 40, 50,000 of them at this point. Oh, wow. And I keep a lot, a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ever seen like the mummy, like movie, like where like the roaches and ants, everything just kind of overtakes everybody. I can put something into my like containers. I have these beetles in and within five or 10 seconds, it's completely engulfed. Like, it's just, it's unreal how much they go for this stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's 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 mesmerizing me. But it's, are, those, it's are those called a dermastede or something, beetles? Is that is that yep. the proper term? Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation, but that's definitely what I use. I got them, uh, I believe, out of Oregon. There's a guy out there that specializes in them, and he sends them in to me. And like I said, they kind of, you keep them at their ideal temperature, and they have to be watered. It's kind of like a pet. you got to take care of it mm-hmm. each day. Um, but they multiply like crazy after the lifespan, a few months, and they just keep going from there on. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear about 
like um, taxidermy work because a lot of it, a lot of stuff you see, you know, guys kill their deer and they take it in and the next thing you know, it just, it's here and on your wall and nobody thinks about how to clean them and, and beetles. A lot of people don't realize that people use beetles. They think you just pressure wash them or you just drop them off and they come back <laughs> magically shiny. So I'm sure a right. lot of people would like to hear about, you know, kind of the process of it all. How long does it take to, to clean like, I don't know, a whitetail skull and some beetles a couple days or. Oh, in deer season, I have them hungry. So I have the temperatures and stuff just right. This time of year, I try to keep them a little more dormant where they don't eat as much, but they eat quite a bit. But uh, around deer season, if I put one in, I, I, it can be under 12 hours, really. It just They oh, go to really? town on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, what I what mean, are they, they eating? I rain, every, everything. They clean it. They clean it completely off. Wow. Yeah. Every little piece of meat, huh? Everything gets taken out. Yeah. Now I'll, again, when I get deer season here and I have a ton of them coming in and stuff, I'll trim them up a little bit just because yeah. for my time constraints, but I mean, no, they, I can put a whole head in there and it'll, it'll be gone. It'll be so gone. You keep those beetles for the next season. I guess you feed them all year. Or? I do. And that's kind of another interesting thing I'm running into because now like I have all these beetles and they're hungry every day. So I got to keep them fed. So typically uh, if I if I'm like a roadkill or something like that, I kind of take it off of there and then freeze the meat. But this past year, uh, I tried to prep ahead a little bit. So some of the heads that come in, I'd take off some of the meat off of them and just start throwing them in like big garbage bags to freeze. So I have something throughout the year. Um, I, I've been fortunate lately. I've had a lot of people bring in steer heads for me. So I haven't had to really dip into my own, you know, preserve meat for them. Um, and I had another guy bring in all types of like small game heads. So I've been feeding them them the past two months. It's been working out pretty well. I haven't had to go too much in my reserves, but I, the last thing I want to do is go out to a grocery store and buy meat for these bucks. <laughs> just, I imagine, I imagine they, uh, yeah, they, it's probably a job keeping them fed. I, I didn't think about, I kind of thought maybe you'd got new ones every year, but it probably gets pricey. I bet they're, oh, they're crazy expensive. expensive. I, I wish I could tell you like a number even off the top of my head, but I mean, you're talking hundreds of dollars for not many at all. It's, oh, it's really? really expensive. Now I might add a few this year, but I mean, maybe not too. It just depends. I have a few tanks going right now. I think I'm up to five or six right now that I can have running at the same time. So they just constantly just keep going through stuff. So do you, um, for anybody listening, do you take stuff, in from other states or you just take local stuff how's that kind of work are you allowed to ship that kind of stuff so most of it's local i have had some people ship from out of state uh i believe with the cwd and stuff like that they do not want you shipping brain parts and things of that nature mm -hmm. um so i definitely check on your state regulations for that uh but i have people that kind of clean them off themselves get most of the brain eyes things off and then they'll like wrap them in saran wrap or something and ship them to me. And I, I mean, that's perfectly fine. The Beatles do the rest. Uh, and I, I've also had people from out of state uh, definitely hit me up with ones that were kind of cleaned or they might have threw out in their barn or their yard. And it's pretty well cleaned for the past few years. Um, and they'll ship them to me like that and I'll get them processed. It's as long as they're in pretty good shape and they haven't been damaged or anything, I can usually do a lot of things to make them look good. Sometimes the whitening with them gets a little more difficult. Uh, there's a lot of oil and stains that go into that skull sometimes. If you don't get them out sometimes quick, it, it can be a little harder to get them out. But uh, yeah, pretty much with the dipping side, I can make them look brand new again. 
And then you take um, like as far as like the Cerakote or different things. What what do you you just do like cups? You can do anything anybody sends you. Uh, pr pretty much anything anybody sends me. I it's mostly firearms. Um, okay. I have my FFL, so people like right from their home can just ship their firearm to me. Comes right to my doorstep. We don't have to go through any other process, and I can ship it right back to you in one piece. Okay. So it's kind of convenient that way for out of state too. I've been getting some from the out West lately asking for some custom things. And again, some of these outfitters and things with their brand and stuff on their rifles and things like that. So they can send them to me and it's pretty, pretty easy peasy that way. I'm going to, I've got some links down here. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube, so you can get a hold of Dr. Farr and I'll have you go ahead and tell everybody who's listening on another platform, kind of where to find you. If you want to maybe talk about your website, where to find you on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, that way, if they're not watching, they'll still be able to look you up. Yeah, uh, pretty much my website's where a lot of my photos are, galleries, up-to-date things, uh, prices, ways to contact me. And that's the droptinecustomskulldipping.com. Uh, I am on TikTok, and that's just droptine custom skull dip. I will say TikTok to me is kind of a new media. I've been playing around with it on my personal account for some time, but I really need to step it up in that area for the TikTok game. Uh, Facebook, I'm on all the time again, and also Instagram, and that's Drop Time Custom Skull Dick. Uh, but I'd say definitely the Facebook and the websites where you want to hit me up, contact information, address, everything. A lot of the projects that I've been working on, I put up on there as pictures. I just had a big giveaway I just did here this past weekend for Labor Day. So definitely worth checking out. Okay, cool. Um, let's dive into hunting in Pennsylvania. I know I've read all kinds of stuff about it, but I've never really talked to anybody that lives and hunts in Pennsylvania. So what can you tell me about it? Uh, where I'm at, it's, it's rural, but it's... Uh, I want to say a lot of farmland. It's a lot of mountains too. So nothing like real crazy as far as, you know, big mountains or anything like I'm sure you guys are used to. A lot of it's just a lot of private acreage around me, small mountains, uh, little hedgerows, fields, uh, things of that nature. If I go up uh, about an hour north of me, like, like Sullivan County, closer to the New York border, they, they turn into big woods up there. And a lot of people have cabins up that way and they go up and hunt big, big woods too. But uh, around here where I'm at, it's mostly privately owned. Uh, we do have a lot of game lands around too. So PA has a lot of area that you can hunt if you don't have your own land. Like ironically, less than a half mile up the road for me is a pretty good size game land. So <laughs> I have access to that right away, like literally two minutes up the road. Uh, but we, most people in my area kind of hunt private land or people they know uh, kind of idea like that small, you know, it used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even when I was a kid, you could walk for miles and deer hunt. You get these big gangs of people that push deer, you know, for miles and you kind of first day or two, they might take 10, 15, 20 buck off of it very easily. But now how everybody's kind of owning things and everybody gets a little upset if you get close to them and stuff, like it's a lot of just private land. Uh, I, I do a lot of sitting in my tree stand, uh, especially mm -hmm. for archery. In gun season, we will do some pushing and stuff with deer. Uh, we get them out, you know, in some thick stuff or something, but it's not too common here where I'm at. Uh, but again, we have game lands right up the road. There's two guys that brought some uh, monsters into me this year. I mean, 
trophy white-tailed deer that was shot less than a mile from my house that we kept hearing about, but we couldn't see them. So they definitely exist that way. And like I said, the game commission does a well, good job that they also do a lot of pheasant recovery and things of that nature too. So you can go up there and you have a dog and kind of know what you're doing. You can probably get on some pheasants and stuff. Is there a lot of ag around you guys? Like around where I'm at, we've got corn and soybeans is like everywhere. Tons. Tons. That's, I would say that's the majority of it. Uh, a lot of it in my area has turned more into like big, big farming. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the family farms that you used to have, they're just getting bought out by these bigger places now. Uh, but pretty much all the farmers that, you know, still have land. My uncle's a farmer, so we hunt on him quite a bit. Uh, but they, you know, corn, soybeans, typical things, sometimes hay. But they uh, were starting more, I would say, in the past five years, 10 years, especially in the last few years here the food plots has really taken off. So, Oh, really? Oh, we've been hearing about it for years. I've been putting them in for probably the past 10, 15 years. And when I started, everybody's like, you don't know what you're doing. We have all these cornfields here. We have all this. And they, you know, they couldn't believe me until I started putting in these little half acre and one acre food plots, which are like nothing in size to their hundred acre cornfield, 200 yards from me. Mm-hmm. Guess who's shooting the monster deer? this guy they're coming <laughs> into they that, come that into my food stuff. Plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. what do you, you generally like put oh i'm sorry go ahead well and I, I don't even put a lot of it out but it's like i i typically plant a lot of brassicas so turnips okay you know rape things of that nature and they do excellent for me um and i try to put them in just here in the past usually anywhere from mid-july till like now so our archery season comes in at the end of September, early October. So you get a good 30, 45 day growth on it. They start to come up where they do well. And then when the frost hits them, it just turns sweet. And it's, if you do it right and know what you're doing, I try to plant a few different things in different areas too. But if you know what you're doing, you can time it almost perfect for bow season when the rut hits. And, you know, we have an early muzzleloader season in mid-October. I, they're crazy. My food plots, hardcore. I have, I might want food plots across the road from me here a few hundred yards and I see there's six or seven deer on it right now. So, I mean, they're hammering it. If, if they actually make it to rifle season at like Thanksgiving or, you know, it's about done because they've just polished them off. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, typically, that will be, but are you typically set up on uh, like um, your food plot then on opening day, like bow season? How, what's that look like? Uh, it, it depends on the weather, depends on uh, our weather here is crazy. Sometimes uh, I know last year in bow season, it was like 80 degrees at the end of September. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was miserable. <laughs> so it depends on kind of what's going on. Um, typically we'll hit, hit the woods a little harder as the rut comes on. And as you know, it gets a little cooler out that October time. So a lot of times people will hit the food plots early archery season, things of that nature, especially like at night. A lot of these deer are almost like clockwork. Once they start coming in and hitting the food plots at night, you, last two hours or so, they'll come in. And pretty good opportunity for it. Yeah, I was, uh, ki- was kind of wondering if those like the turnips or whatever, if they take a couple weeks after season comes in for them to really start hitting them. Or... Oh yeah, as soon as it, as soon as they get mature, so usually like around 40, 50 days, and then as soon as you get a first frost, I mean a real good cold ground those turnips turn sweet and they will go absolutely bonkers for them. I mean, they're cruising my food plots now, but as soon as I get a good frost, I mean, they'll hammer it like no tomorrow. 
So, and I try to put on like a lot of stuff with heavy tonnage on it too. So I get a lot of it back out, high protein, high crude things. So a lot of the growth there, uh, we can't really bait or do anything in my area. Mm-hmm. They're pretty stringent on that, which is how I've always hunted. Um, but so we do a lot of these food plots, uh, the past few years, they have let us put out some minerals. Uh, but again, there's even restrictions on that. So I put out, I think it's called Lucky Buck. There's a few different brands that we use here that do pretty well. But even with that, I think, I believe I can have it out yet here another day or two. And then even that, I got to pull it off. You got to scrape the ground and things like that. It's like, I think it's 30, 35 days before season starts. So. Oh, wow. I think ours, oh, is, yeah. ours is 10 days. So I hunt Kentucky and Indiana, but in Kentucky you can bait, but. Um, in Indiana, I think it's 10, it may be 14 days, but yeah, you have to clear out the ground. Even if it's been a mineral lick, you got to dig everything out. And that's yeah, it. So. Horses is 30 days and they're pretty hard here with the game commission in our area. If they get a hint of you baiting or doing anything, even half sketchy, they will find out about it and they will get you. So it's not even worth the time. I mean, I sometimes put it on like, stumps or logs and stuff like that and i mean i i scrape it and stuff but you can still see it yeah. crystallizes over and stuff sometimes a few months later i mean there's not much you can do it's hard it's to what do these, you know, yeah the companies are kind of engineering it to do that so it's hard to kind of reverse it but no we play it all by the games and everything up here it's, it's yeah i know i know at a local we have like a, a rural king i don't know if you guys have that where you're at but it's like a farm store but they sell um, different, you know, like different bait and stuff that you put out. They make one now. I, I showing my wife the other day that it looks like dirt. So when you pour it out, it's food, but it's hidden from the game warden. So oh those, sometimes those companies, man, they know they know what they're doing because people know that they got to get that stuff out. They don't want to pull it. So yeah, out of be here. careful doing that stuff. I've not heard or seen anything like that up here yet, but I'm sure it's probably going to be on the market at some point. That's what it is. Aren't you guys, uh, um, I feel like I've heard this and maybe I'm wrong. Are you guys super regulated on using like deer pee? Don't you have to use synthetic or something in Pennsylvania or is that not a thing? No, you're, you're right. Uh, most of it has to be synthetic. Now they changed something here. I would say in the last two three years that you can use natural stuff but okay. there's i'm trying to think of it's like uh I'm trying to think of the one company here locally it's like it's like hot dough or something like that i mean they mm-hmm. they do it but most of it's definitely synthetic yeah it's just kind of what we've been doing i heard too something with what they're looking to change even with regulations or something like that that might not be an option here in another year or so something about it has to be a different airborne thing or something it's, it's something crazy but uh, they're already trying to market it something different already there's a i can't think of the company i had a seminar here a few weeks ago and there's like a new it just kind of disperses it out through the air so hmm. you put your deer urine in it and it's a special like canister and you hit the button and it just kind of sprays it out and there's like a like a vaporizer or something exactly like a vaporizer it costs a lot more money but yeah like a vaporizer oh. and they're saying within the next year or two that's what the game wardens like in the walls are going to get tailored more to that because something with something with disease and something i'm not 100 percent sure on it but with the genetics they're, yeah. they're starting to feel more stringent to, trying to keep the deer from licking it i guess out of the drippers and, I, and everything yeah like and we don't we don't usually use like too much of that or the drippers and stuff i mean i have you know 
probably some of the same synthetic stuff that you guys have uh, mm-hmm. up here, but we don't we'll occasionally I'll put something on, I'll drag it through like up to my stand or something. Or, you know, if, if it's prime rut season, I'll throw some down in front of me or I have like those little like wicks that you can hang on a tree or something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I maybe use it five, 10 times a year. It's not that often, really. We don't get much from it. If you, if you do it in early season, you really get nothing out of it. Yeah. You have about a good two, three week window where it, it works great. And even then, it just kind of depends how you mix it up. And there's a lot of, you know, variables. I, I have this, uh, like a little grenade. And again, I can't remember the company with this, but it, it shoots out this vapor. Um, oh, I've had I, think that. I think I've seen that yeah. before. It's like hunt. I think it's hunt scent owns it. Some yeah. of that nature, but mm-hmm. I just like a little remote and I've been using that the past few years and they're like different types of urine, but they even have like apple smells and stuff like that now too. But I, I did that the past year here in uh primo rut just coming on. I knew it was good. And I set that thing down in front of me and I set that off. And I'm telling you, in one night, Primo right here in PA, I had 24 different bucks come up and hit that thing. <laughs> wow. And, and where I'm at, like 24 bucks is like, that's a lot of deer. That's a yeah. lot. I mean, we have dough like crazy, but I mean, I, I'll get where I hunt. I mean, we have maybe 100, 150 acres, but they, these deer travel like crazy. I mean, we'll all know, like in my town, the shooter deer that we all want. Like we've all seen it out spotting. <laughs> and Everybody's usually, got it on camera. You know, oh yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll see it on my camera, and then like two or three weeks from my now, my buddy will send me the picture out of his camera. It's just two and a half miles away. And it's the same deer. So I mean, they <laughs> travel here like crazy, but yeah, it's there's typically you know six or eight real nice deer, like trophy deer in the area that you want, and then there's still a lot of like really 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 nice buck you know kind of in the area but then there's a lot of just scrubs and stuff our our doe to buck ratio i think right here immediately probably like 12 to 1 15 to 1 it's it's really lopsided one way yeah and this this year's the first year since i think ever (laughs) but typically like years ago when i was younger it used to be a three-day doe season after a two-week buck season of rifle season then when i was still a kid they switched it over that you had one week of doe season which is the second week and that's how it's been for years <laughs> so you could hunt buck or doe in archery season they had a uh, muzzleloader season that's early for one week where you could shoot doe and then other than that you had one week to harvest doe now this year first time ever and we're just new to this sunday hunting thing too that just came on the past year yeah i was gonna ask you about out. that too we, we always been a that Monday right after Thanksgiving was the first day of buck season. We'd go two weeks, the second week or that first Saturday, you could shoot doe for one week. So the past year they opened it up that we're starting on Saturday now. <laughs> and then they just this past year opened it up to Sunday hunting. So all the schools, all the business up, up here, they're off the first two days of deer season, like that typical Monday and Tuesday. So a lot of us now are getting like three or four days to hunt right off the bat, which is really nice. But this year, and I, I think this is going to be an epic nightmare. You can shoot buck or doe the first day, the full two weeks, because they are trying to hammer the doe out of my area because there's just too many, way too many. I mean, our so, county, and I, I, I can't give you an approximate size. It's not that big, but I think there was like 45,000 or 47,000 doe tags issued. Wow. Like tons, tons. <laughs> so they're letting, they let, you said they, 
let kids out of school for opening? Oh, oh yeah, it's it's like a holiday up here. It's, really? So we go thanks we go Thanksgiving. We're off usually. Most schools are off the day before Thanksgiving or half day, and then you're off until usually Tuesday or Wednesday of that next week because everybody goes out and hunts. It's just one of those things that Monday and Tuesday. I, it'll be interesting to see if some of the schools now, you know, I think they'll always probably keep that Monday there open for people. Uh, but they might start reverting back, taking that Tuesday back kind of thing like that and see what happens. But, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's a holiday up there. Deer season. <laughs> I may have to have so. you guys' uh, school board call down to my town and uh, <sighs> talk back and forth. I don't think that would go over too well where I'm at. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just like a tradition here. It's 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 wacky. Like I said, now in the past two years, we had that Saturday. This, this year we had this Sunday added. So, again, I, for me, I'm getting four days to hunt that I don't have to take off work or anything right off the bat, which is nice. <laughs> so are you, are, are you going to, you plan on shooting very many does now or how you feel about all that? I, I have, uh, I have two tags. Uh, typically like I, I, again, I go for trophy deer, but, mm-hmm. uh, my uncle's farm, we have so many doe and we have farmers around us and Amish and Mennonite. And I mean, they will hammer our crops like no tomorrow. So, I'll probably fill my tags. I would say typically we do a lot of bologna, jerky, dried venison, stuff like that. So we'll, yeah. we'll probably fill them, but uh, we try to like, especially the, the things that we like try to manage and things. We don't take too many. We try to keep an idea for the year, how much roughly are there and then kind of balance it out each year. Yeah. Uh, I know the one property we hunt, we didn't take any off last year because the year before we, we let it fly. So it just depends on, but there's definitely the buck to doe ratio, doe to buck ratio is just completely whack here. And I think that definitely needs to get solved out some. I, I bet people have different opinions on that stuff too. Cause if they hunt public, they're not as, um, you know, they don't care as much because the deer, you know, if you're managing a farm, you kind of know your inventory and different stuff oh, yeah. as they're out on public, they're trying to get what they can get. So I see both yeah. sides of it. Uh, and our farmers here, the game commission is really relaxed. If you are a farmer, you work for a farmer, uh, your cousin's a farmer, you can go and shoot deer every day of the year. There's no limit. I, and you just call the game warden and say, hey, I shot a deer. Sometimes they'll come out and look. Sometimes they won't. I mean, they're very, it's very chill that nature. So a lot of the hunters here in the next you know, month or so that have these bigger farms, they'll just start letting them fly now and to kind of start taking them off. And it's, it's a lot of people get upset with things like that too, but it's like knowing that my uncle has this farm and a few of my friends that are small farmers and stuff, I can see the damage they do to these properties, but like Mm -hmm. a deer won't go through and eat one, you know, stalk of corn. It'll go and it'll take two bites off of one ear, a bite off another year. And like, it won't even be the same stock and just graze through that whole field and like completely kill it off. I mean, the guy up the road from me here, a few hundred yards, he puts out, I think it's 20 acres of corn roughly each year or soybeans. He kind of flip-flops. But the past eight years, he has not taken one $1 off that property. He completely loses himself every year because of deer hammering. Wow. Yeah. So, they, I mean, it's, it's an issue. <laughs> are you guys a one-buck state? Uh, we're a one-buck state, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was thinking, but I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Do you have, um, is there antler restrictions and stuff where I'm from? That's not like a thing. So I'm not really even sure about antler restrictions and all that, but I know some other states have them. 
It is. The past, I would say, 10, 12 years, I, I remember it was kind of when I was a kid, they instituted it and we were all grumpy about it, but you have to have three points on one side. So okay. you can shoot one deer that only has one half a rack. If it has three points on it, you can shoot it, uh, but it has to have at least three on. Unless you're like a junior hunter, a kid, and then um, seniors, I believe, also have like, they can pretty much shoot whatever, little spikes and stuff. It's got to so, be, um, what, what are they calling like a point, like three? I know here, three like inch, a three inch. Three inches, yeah. Yeah, yep. that's what they call it here. If you if you shoot a spike here, let's say that's under three inches, you can actually tag it as a doe because a lot of people, wow. you know, they, they'll shoot it and they'll think it was a doe if they shot it at low light. And if it's under measurable, under three inches, it's considered a doe, but. I, I figured the three inch thing was like a, like maybe like a national thing that they use. So I guess it is. I, I think that's kind of what the terms are here lately for what it is. Uh, I'll tell you sometimes even in archery season and stuff, it, it's hard to see if they have little horns. And yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to pick it out just, especially when they're brush and stuff like that. Uh, they have they also have a thing here. Like if you mistake kill. So if you shoot a spike or you shoot, that only has one that has like two on it. Mm-hmm. You can call the game commission and they'll come out like 25 bucks. You got to pay the fine. Sometimes they take the deer. Sometimes they give you a new tag. Kind of depends on the situation, but it's not like a slap on the wrist too bad. So there's just not yeah. deer laying in the fields everywhere. That people accidentally mistake, but most people are pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Stuff happens sometimes when you're out hunting and I've heard stories and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's pretty good managed that way. I'm I'm guilty of it. I've shot, I know I've shot two spikes before, one during archery season when I first started bow hunting and one during shotgun season when I was younger that I both thought were does. So, I mean, it happens. Sometimes you get in low light those last five, ten minutes or, you know, yep. early in the morning. It's it's kind of can be hard to tell. It, it is. And it's they just opened up here in PA, too, that we can now start to shoot multiple deer at one point. So in the past, if I was out archery hunting and let's say a nice doe come in cruising and I shot it, I'd have to go down. I'd have to drag it out, field dress it, the whole deal, get it to your truck, tag it, the whole, you know, caboodle. Now I can sit in my stand if I want. If there's a buck that comes cruising behind it, I can shoot at the same time. So as long as you have tags now. That's you, really you strange shoot. that that was a yeah, thing Yeah, they, they just started that. They just started that. Wow. But, I, a few years back, I was hunting some farmland and I had a muzzle loader and I shot this doe and it was out 150 yards or so. Good one. And I got up and I was with my buddy and I had, I had two tags. Fortunately, he had a tag too, but I whacked one right through the neck and it went right through another one, hit it right in the head. And there's two deer laying there. And I'm like, well, are we gonna do? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's changing here lately. I think for the better a little bit um they're starting to get a little more ideas definitely the doe tags definitely some options the sunday hunting here in pa was a huge controversy that took years to come through and even if you kind of even whisper that out in public like you'll have some people even among hunters they're okay with it and other ones downright hate it the whole concept of it all together so does, does that this, this does past that have year there with, wasn't many out does that have to do with um like church and stuff and like old school like um businesses being closed on sunday is that kind of the Uh, the deal or is it like the day of rest or 
I, I think part of it's just the mindset. I think part of it's just how they've been doing it for so many years. I mean, there's a lot of people that go to church and stuff up here in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that happens. But I mean, I, I am a proponent of it just because it gives me usually another day or two in the woods. And we only get, uh, it's either three or four Sundays out of the year that we can hunt. They, all the other ones are completely closed down. So we'll get one in, one in rifle season, that first one one in bear, one in archery. There might be one other one that we can hunt Sundays, but otherwise they're still closed for the year. You can't, you can't hunt unless it's crows or groundhogs or something yeah. like coyotes. Yeah. That, 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 that's almost a, you know, four days or whatever. That's almost a whole week. So, I mean, yeah, those right. days definitely add up. Absolutely. <clears throat> for me, I, I enjoy it, especially cause I just gives, like I said, it gives me a three or four day to kind of start out with. And it's like, we've i've said to people and again it's probably not always the most popular thing but like i can fish on a sunday yeah i can drink on a sunday i can gamble on a sunday i can do everything else i want to do in life except go out and shoot a deer which is a day i typically have off so it's like just Mm -hmm. just jump on board at this point but it's you gotta be careful who you talk to like i said especially the older generation they are not in for it that's (laughs) i yeah we went out the past year and i mean we heard some shots but there was not many people out hunting that Sunday. I can tell you that a lot really? of people just didn't go. No, no. Just despised so. it. I guess you see it. It is. I was kind of wondering if it was going to be something more common along among like older generations because they'd grown up with that. So maybe eventually that will kind of, maybe the hate against that will fade out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping so. There's really no middle ground on it. It's either you're, you're gung ho for it or how dare you. <laughs> so it's just, kind of one of those things so the shooting one deer thing and dragging them back to your truck and then what what was the reasoning behind that what what do you think no idea no no, logic behind that either no idea i i can't tell you why because i can't tell you how many times in the past 20 years of me hunting or i'd shoot something with my rifle or my bow and two seconds later a monster buck comes walking out to me or or 20 other doe come stand right underneath my tree stand and I can't do nothing about it. And it's just, it's never made much sense to me, but that's kind of just one of those things that they had in the laws. And again, this, this year we can start to let them have it again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm glad we touched on that. Cause I'd always heard like different um, funny stories about Pennsylvania and like their Sunday hunting laws and all these like weird laws. But like I said, I'd never talked to anybody from Pennsylvania. So I, it's kind of always skeptical if some of that stuff was really true, but apparently it is. <laughs> I, I Probably 90% of what you heard about PA hunting is pretty accurate. I mean, except for maybe the land and, you know, things like that. But it's, it's a big thing. I mean, I think they said here a few weeks ago that, like, the first two or three days of deer season, typically, there's more hunters in the woods here in PA alone than what we have, like, staff full-time military. So <laughs> it's insane. It's great. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Can we, uh, can we touch a little bit about your plans for this fall? Yeah. So this summer I actually been doing a lot of renovation to my shop, just trying to get things a little more access, more room, um, upgrading, you know, water, electrical, drying process, things of that nature, things how I can kind of turn them around a little quicker. Um, there's a guy outside the region that does dipping and sometimes you're talking nine, 10 months till you get turnaround sometimes a year. And when mm-hmm. you take your stall in, which in typical taxidermy here in the area, that's about a year. I really try to like 
push them through pretty quick. I mean, they're high quality and everything, but I mean, I'll, I'll go crazy for a few weeks and I, I try to get as many done as I can quickly. So it's back in their hands within a few weeks or month or two at most. So a lot of the things I did this summer is just prepping for that. I got a few more uh, containers for my beetles, you know, things of that nature. And then the big thing here for me is just advertising. So I've been kind of hitting that circuit, trying to figure out where I want to put out different signs, things of that nature. Uh, I've been playing around with different films this summer. So I have, I don't know, you could, like, I have like 15 or 20 different like films back behind me that I kind of recommend mm-hmm. and I have on my website and stuff that work, I think work great. They're most, the camos, the popular ones. Uh, but I did probably 50 or 60 different ones this summer that I thought would be popular. So kind of just experimenting with them, being comfortable with them, having even more of a wide variety. But again, it's, you want something crazy i can get it and i'll i'll definitely give it a shot where most people want so definitely prepping a lot that way and uh checking our cell cameras quite a bit here for deer and stuff too they're starting to move pretty good so that's just part of the season we i think we're open up it's the end of september this year it's usually the end of september beginning of october for archery season right now you're just kind of you're just kind of um you guys do a lot of like glassing from fields, check cameras. How's that usually work? Like for your preseason, you have pre-hung stands or you hunt out of climbers or saddles or. Uh, depends on the person. I mean, spotlighting here in the area is pretty popular. You see people go out at night and you, you'll get lit up quite a bit in fields and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, everybody has game cameras now. Um, and then a lot of people have these cell cameras. Now, I mean, I switched over the past two years and it's game changer because it just hits them up. You know right away if there's a nice deer there, uh, things of that nature. So a lot of people are hitting the game cameras. Um, a lot of people have, like especially on these private lands, uh, stands they've sat in for the past 10 or 15 years. Or some people are putting these farms, like these bigger like redneck, redneck or 360-type lines, mm-hmm. um, or even like ones that they're building, high, high-end ones. They're like Taj Mahal stands. I mean, they're heated and, you know, practically like a house. Out in the yeah, woods. I like cutting out of your living room. Yeah. It is. It, uh, my friend has one. We call it the Taj Mahal because I think you can get eight people in it. And it has recliners in it. He and it's like it overlooks this big field. I'm like, dude, that's not hunting. That's like hanging out and just shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I I hunt a few ladder stands. I have two climbers, uh, two or three hang ons. I'll move the climbers around, especially like when it gets middle of you know season quite a bit i'll start moving them through but uh other than that i mean we hunt with ground blinds we hunt just edges of field things of that nature so it just depends on what you want usually most people now will have their stands kind of where they want to be at for the year usually in the summer i start moving things around or buy a few more different places i want to and kind of get them out there so the deer are somewhat used to them or it's a little more natural maybe I'm glad you brought up um, cell cameras. I've been kind of interested in maybe getting one, but I have looked and I'm not fully invested in it, I guess, yet. I'm kind of wondering what it costs. I know kind of what the camera costs, but what I've looked online, it seems to be pretty high as far as like registering one camera. How does that kind of work with your cell service? It, it is, and I'm not sponsored by anybody or promoting anybody, but okay. uh, I use I use Spy Point. Uh, okay. I've seen a few of the other ones uh, that my friends had, and we use Maltry, all those different ones that are out there. Uh, Spy Point, I think, is 
more geared towards the recreational hunter, I think you'd maybe say, or okay. not the die, not the diehard, but their plans are pretty cheap. Um, they give you a free plan of a hundred pictures per month. So, I mean, depending on where you put it and you can set the times on them, how much you want them to capture and stuff, but if you're just kind of a recreational hunter. You can get a few of these cameras and not have to pay anything for a fee. And then uh, they'll get them out for like a few bucks for a thousand, or you can go unlimited and on them too. Now, some of the other companies, I, I think my one friend has five or six around his property. It's like 60, 80 bucks a month. It, it gets pricey that way. But, yeah. Uh, so you just, you just add them to your phone plan, I guess, or is that how it works or is it through something else? It's, it's hit and miss. So like the ones I have, you can, you buy it, you can purchase it through an app. Okay. So it'll just, hit your credit card that way. Um, some of them are like specific ATT or Verizon cell. So it mm -hmm. depends on that. You can add them. Tip where I'm at, if you add them just your regular cell plan, they, they rake you over pretty hard on it. They're not usually <laughs> too friendly with that. You're better off going through the company. Okay. That way. Yeah, yeah. Cause I know I looked at one through AT&T and I think it was like, I can't even remember. It was 10 or $15 a month per camera, yeah. which, you know, $10 yeah. here. But if you got, five six cameras you know oh. it can add up fast so absolutely yeah i know that's i think yeah sorry uh, spy points what i spy points what i use and it's like a, it's pretty it's a few bucks for more photos than i need per month per camera and even some of my cameras i just let them on the free plan depending on where they're at uh so i get a hundred decent ones and then it tells you when they fill up for the month and stuff too but some of my less trafficked areas i'll set them and I'll set them to like, you know, maybe a two minute delay or something on them, but it just, it just depends. And, and they record too. And they'll take pictures too. Like once, once it fills up and stops sending them to me, I'll just put it on the card anyways. So not a bad idea, but yeah, you can get a lot of money in these cameras and how you start monitoring and a lot of the advanced features. Now they have like buck trackers and stuff on them. So you upload them to your computer and I'll say, Oh, this deer was at this camera, but it's also at this camera kind of thing. It's, Wow. A lot, of high, a lot of high tech going into it now, but I think it's just, it's going like crazy here in my area. It seems in PA, we're a little bit behind the curve around compared to the rest of the U.S. and some of this hunting gear and things. And like, I'll start telling people about these things I order, things I'm reading about, and they just look at me. Like, I, I have three heads, and they're like, that'll never work. I had, hmm. I had cameras here the past few years, and like, why would you want to do that? I'm like, because I can see, and I, I have one set up exclusively for trespassers. <laughs> yeah, that's its sole that's its sole purpose is for me to see when somebody walks on my land that they know they're not supposed to be there. That I know instantly. So if I'm in the area, I can go out and you know come get going. So it, it's funny to it's funny to listen to um, like talk about um, people that hunt private versus public too. Because I would really love to have a cell camera, but I hunt some public semi-public private like <laughs> like old coal mine ground so i kind of worry about you know a 300 camera getting stolen so oh yeah yeah <clears throat> sometimes i'll just go buy a 30 40 like wild game innovations they don't take the best I, pictures but they give me a little bit of I, info and if it gets jacked then you know so be it <laughs> i i have a half a dozen of them and i use them usually a few years and then they'll break or they'll get frozen and i'll just i'll mm -hmm. put them out as dummy cameras then yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of let in an area where somebody thinks, oh, right there is the camera, but I had you 30 feet earlier from there yep. or something. So caught you trespassing yeah, and stealing the camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. And I, I don't, I don't like to paint that picture, but I mean, we have 
people that come up from the city mm-hmm. uh, or Southern PA or New York out of state. And we'll lose tree stands. We'll lose game cameras. We'll lose. Uh, there was somebody this past year that shot three bear on us. And we know for a fact they road hunted those bears and shot them. And it wasn't too happy about that kind of thing. But they'll, wow. you know, I'd say for every few thousand people that do it the right way and, you know, ethical and all that, you get maybe a handful that are knuckleheads. And that's why we have all these crazy roles we have. Like we can't go out uh, like spotlighting it with even like a weapon in our car. Right. Yep. So, that's like, a thing here too. That's a thing there too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's, it's typically like <clears throat> the road hunters, things of that nature, uh, people, people from the city, we have, a lot of issues with uh, everybody up this way kind of just respects each other. They put, you know, you know where everybody's lands at. It's not a big problem. And like, I'm not one of these like crazy put out 50 posters kind of person. If you shoot a deer and it comes over onto my property, go get it. You know, yep. I, I, I don't care. I'm ethical. Give me a text or whatever. I'll say, go get it. I'll help you get it out. It's not an issue, but don't come in sneaking behind me when you know, you're not supposed to be there and you're 50 to a hundred acres and on the property and you, got lost yeah that doesn't happen i mean yep. that's potent but yeah oh that's yeah potent yeah. for sure and it's typically that city folk from our regions at least with <laughs> the ones we catch and have problems with you feel like that's a lot of people that are um just maybe weekend guys or just oh, kind of like one, one 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 weekend a year kind of guys don't really keep up with the regs or yeah nope that's that's i would say that weekend guy that come up to the cabin <clears throat> Uh, they'll drink and play cards and make it out maybe a day or two. And that's about it. And then uh, you'll, you'll notice cause they'll have <laughs> different hunting clothes than everybody typically wears like something new, something, you know, they'll have a high end gun, you know, these big trucks that I wouldn't go driving in these fields for, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but you, you can pick them out, put it that way. You can pick them out pretty easy. Uh, you can tell they don't put too many miles on their boots walking or hunting much. So do you, and again, again, I'm not painting a picture to all these city people. It's just typically where I'm at. We have people that come up from the city that lease some land next to us, and they're great. Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is they're just not maybe familiar. With... They weren't grown up with it. Yeah. yeah. And they just don't care about trespassing or anything. They just, whatever goes, if they, they can get a deer and go home and go into their business next week and be like, look, I shot this buck. Yeah. They're happy. <laughs> so I guess you guys get, you guys get a lot of out of staters then. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, so they can get buck tags and it's not crazy expensive to get like out of state licenses. So for me, I think I get bear, I get, you know, archery, muzzleloader, you know, turkey, all, most of the things, like some of the waterfowl are like extra, you know, tags and stuff add up, but it's like 60, 70 bucks for something like that. Doe tags are six, seven bucks a piece. So it's not crazy expensive. Now out of state compared to like me looking out west and stuff, you get a few hundred bucks and stuff. Here in PA, it's not. It's I mean, doe tags I think are fifteen maybe for out of state, and their hunting license it, it is more than ours, but it's not like crazy expensive, and it's not like you have to go wait on you know a counter or put in for a lottery or anything like that. You walk up the day before, or the day of, and you you get it. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty uh, reasonable. I know, <clears throat> I know Illinois out of state, which is right next to me, is about. 500 for a deer tag oh, it's pretty high and then i hit kentucky yeah. and it's it's around 300 so your oh, numbers are, 
your your prices aren't too bad really <laughs> no no they're really not at all and again i think we're just getting slow but we are starting like i said a lot of these regulations and stuff there's people shooting these world-class deer now that are just nice and i think it's getting a lot more people coming in hunting them now so i know you mentioned there's a lot of private is there very many is there very many options around you or just around the state for guys to come like if i was like man i killed a deer in Kentucky and I still got a week off work or something. I wanted to come over to Pennsylvania. What's, I mean, I just find some public and go, is there big tracks or is it going to be oh, yeah. like everywhere else? Or it's, so it's a lot of farmland, a lot of hunting woods is private. And then, but like right up for me, there's a few hundred acres at state game lands. Um, and there's as much acreage as there. There's really not many people that hunt it to be honest with you. You would think it'd be crazy busy but it's not. And then if you head down the road, oh, 15 miles or so, the one direction, there's another few hundred acre plot of state game land. If I head up north 20 minutes, half hour, then there's a few thousand acres of state game land. So, I mean, there's definitely options for people if you don't have the land and stuff like that, especially if you know what you're doing, um, kind of, you know, you understand hunting and stuff. You can definitely pull some deer. Like the guys that shot these monsters right up for me, they live within a mile or two and they hunt they hunt public all the time and they they slam them so yeah it's, it's definitely there kind of just about doing your homework or um that's i think that's majority of it and it's it's sad to say but like especially on public when we've hunted it and we we do occasionally um i'm fortunate a lot of my friends have farms and you know woods or cabins and i'm just very fortunate that way uh mm -hmm. but we hunted public a few times different things throughout the year and get maybe hundred few hundred yards off the path and that's kind of where everybody is they don't want to walk up in a mile half mile where the deer are and it's just i don't know if that's just the mentality anymore these you know weekend hunters once a year hunters but yeah you wouldn't have any problem running into anybody else i can tell you that do you think uh so you think a guy could come to pennsylvania and get on some public and probably shoot a deer pretty successfully oh I, I would think if you have a hunting background, get a little bit of the lay for the land, I, I would think very easily within a day or two, you can shoot a deer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's good to know. I know I'm tr trying to get different people on this show from different states and stuff, kind of let people know that you can go here and it's not too expensive and you might, you know, may kill out in your state and still have a week and want to travel to Pennsylvania and shoot a deer, but like I said, what you see on YouTube and on TV and everything is not always true. So it's good to hear a firsthand account from somebody that lives in like that area or that state. And there's different parts of the state where there's just tons of deer. I mean, they, they can't, they can't shoot them enough. I mean, so even in those areas, you can definitely go in. I'm not saying you're going to shoot no 150 or 180 coming in on yeah. public land. I guess, I guess two guys up for me, they shot monsters. They shot the biggest in the region. They took them right off of public land. So it's, it's there. Um, but getting it on dough or something, absolutely. I'd, I'd have no, no doubt in that. And even a lot of the farmers and stuff around the area and people that own land, if you go up to their house and even approach them nine times out of 10, if you're just kind of cool and you, you know, you're an ethical person, they're going to let you hunt because there's a deer problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people, not so much, but majority of people are like, yeah, go in, have at it. Like they, you know, especially the farmers, they just eating all their crops, taking all their money. Oh. Hunt, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's almost to the point where a lot of these people aren't even planting stuff anymore just because the deer come in and wipe them out. 
So. I, I know we had um, like a big surge in hunting licenses last year, and it seems like I saw more people where I hunt in Kentucky last year during gun season. It could have just been a fluke. Does it seem like, I know you said you only hunt public sometimes. Did you see very many people, more people out last year because of COVID or? I, I definitely think so. Uh, with the exception of that Sunday day hunt, I think a lot of people were out this past year compared to the last five or six years. Um, conversely, I would say in the past 10, though, I would say like each year it kind of just decreases. I mean, the numbers seem to be the same, but like seeing people in the area and region, it doesn't seem like there's that many as out as what there was a few years back. And maybe that's just my perception of it, but I, yeah. I mean, it, it seems that way. But definitely this past year, I, I would say with the COVID and stuff, a lot more people got out. There was a lot of people in our area that were, was not working at all. So people that hasn't hunted for the past 10, 15 years, maybe it's something they did when it's college or a kid got back out and had that opportunity. So if there's anything positive, this pandemic, maybe it got people reacclimated with hunting again <laughs> to some degree. I know it seems like it's coming back around my area, but not everything's really closed yet. So I'm kind of wondering how that's going to affect license sales and all that stuff last year you know, this coming up season, but <clears throat> I don't know. A lot of people here got them. We had to get our uh, doe tags out. Like they're pretty much accounted for by now the past few weeks, but uh, we're, where I'm at in the state are public schools and mm -hmm. like daycares. That's a hundred percent. You have to wear masks all the time. Um, a lot of these big employment places are now saying you either have to have a shot or something of that nature. So it's, it's ramping back up, unfortunately, and hopefully it doesn't do too much. Uh, we joke at work because if we come in contact with uh, somebody that has COVID or might have had COVID or if we have a symptom, like they make us quarantine for 10 or 14 days, 10 typically right now. And it's like we joke and this is not a joke about anything with this pandemic, but it's like I kind of hope if I'm going to come in contact with somebody, it's like during deer season. That's yeah. how I come in contact with somebody so I can go out and hunt that week. Yeah, <laughs> but, at least you uh, know you won't be around anybody else. That's, that's right. Put me out in the middle of nature and let me do my thing for those times. Getting <laughs> but, some good old uh, fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it'll be pretty good this year. I, I anticipate it. I think economically, too. I mean, for deer here to hunt, I mean, you can get processed up. It's, our beef sales are through the roof. I don't know if that's typical out there but our beef prices went up you know two three bucks a pound in the last six months a year like so i think just having an option is venison too might economically be better for a lot of people yeah we had an issue or i had an issue last year so our season starts can i live right next to kentucky so i'm only like 20 minutes away but i hunt kentucky and indiana so kentucky starts early september and then we have like a reduction zone for like city limits here that's like mid-september and indiana and then um, regular archery in indiana is october 1st so it's typically pretty warm so last year i shot a deer pretty early and i will usually take it to like a, a butcher you know if it's hot because i gotta get it yep. cooled down and everything and we have like three or four around here and i scrounge and scrounge and scrounge to find somebody because they were working on beef and weren't taking any deer because everything was so backed up and they're like yep. we're not taking any deer we don't even know if we're taking them during gun season i'm like yep, yep. what are all these people going to do they're going to go out they're going to go out and shoot deer on 
gun season and they're, they're you know everybody goes the same butcher every year or whatever they're gonna bring all these deer there and be like we're not taking them so yeah that was a the beef thing was a thing around here last year for sure i don't know if butcher's gonna oh, be open or not we have i have a few friends at butcher and stuff that i keep in contact with and a few of them now will not take deer at all because they are booked out nine months to a year on steer already <clears throat> so i mean for them messing around with deer I don't think it's really worth their time. So no. a lot of like, these people that did do it, I mean, we had one here in the area. It's like 10 minutes away. Very well known. He would take gun season. We're talking 1,500, 2,000 deer. He's yeah. not taking any. He's not taking any. So it's like, it's a pinch. And I was just talking to my one friend that's a butcher. Uh, we don't know how this year is going to play out because when doe season typically comes in, a lot of people, these butchers have to turn them away because they can't take a hundred deer with their coolers or whatever. And with it being this year that anything flies the first, first day, I would imagine that in the first two, three days of people letting it fly, they're not going to be able to take them because I I just don't know how they're going to be able to do them, process them. I don't know. They're going to try to get reefer trucks. I I don't know, but it's going to be an issue. So that'll be interesting. I, uh, Later in the year, you know, in the wintertime, I'm like, I can hang it in my garage or hang it in a tree a couple days and I can deal with it. But when it's like 90 degrees outside, I'm like, oh. I got to get this thing in a cooler. Yeah. yeah. So I, some people, I, I, it's kind of worrisome, you know, people go out and shoot all those deer, especially where you're at. Now you're going to be able to shoot a bunch of does. You're going to have a bunch of rotten deer. Oh. <laughs> I, we, we primarily do our own, uh, we'll make our own stuff, bologna and stuff, but two, even if, if it's hot and I shoot one in like an early muzzleloader and it's one of those 60, 70 degree days, I'll send it up to one of my buddies and be like, just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not worth it, especially if it's a good deer to just have it rot. I mean, we ice the cavities and stuff like that too, but it's just doesn't always go. And our weather, it's, it's hard to say what it's going to be sometimes in December. It's usually 30-ish range, 40-ish range, but some days it hits 65 or it might be cold and snow. It's just, it's all over the place. What do you guys, uh, what's your favorite thing to usually cook with venison? You guys eat quite a bit of it or? Oh, I, I, especially my family, my friends, like we all grew up on it. So it's just kind of one of those staple things that everybody eats venison. <laughs> um, so I, I, we make bologna, we make jerky, I make uh, sticks out of them, different types of sticks. I actually make a pretty good, uh, it's a burger recipe I have that I've been working on the past few years, but it's, I put like bacon and cheddar and seasonings and everything in it. And I'm t- I'll put it against anybody's beef burger they have out there. They will not know that's venison because we add the right amount of fat to it and stuff like that. And I mean, I have friends that come up from college that are city folk. And they never had venison and they're plowing into some of my burgers or tacos or something. And I'll tell them later, like, by the way, and they're like, what? I'm like, yep, that's what that was. <laughs> but it's, you know, we make everything. Actually, the few, past few years we've been doing uh, bacon out of it. You ever had that? Uh-uh, I haven't. Give it I've a shot. Heard, I've heard of it, but I've never had it. Give it a it. shot. It's, uh, you got to cook it a little bit different unless you add some fat to it. And we typically do, but it's, uh, it's kind of like more like a, I don't know, like a maple kind of thing, but it, it's good. It's really good, but it's different from traditional bacon, what you have in mind. But they smoke it and season it, and it's, that's coming to become quite popular here in the area too. What kind uh, of fat are you? do you typically use? 
Uh, so sometimes, depending on what it is, we can go and get like beef ends or something like that. Or sometimes I'll add like synthetic stuff to it. But typically we just go to like a local butcher or grocery store that still cuts stuff and we just get stuff and add it into it that way. Pork ends, things of that nature, we'll add. You know, I know, I know the that butchers are around here. Like if you take your deer and you want to have something made, they like to use lamb fat a lot. I don't know if that's lamb. Thing where you, yeah. They always offer, um, like if you want to have burgers made, if you go to a butcher here and you want to have burgers made, they'll offer you, um, you can have pork or lamb added to it. So I know if that was a that, thing where you guys are from too, or. I, and maybe I'm just out of touch, but like I said, I have a few friends. That's a, the one friend's a butcher. I have never heard him say anything about lamb fat ever. Huh. Never. I, that's, that's the first time couple, I've ever heard it. Really? I, no. No. Maybe that's I, just I, a couple I, places pork, around me. Maybe they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> pork, pork ends, but again, it's not like it's not like you go to the like to ticket your deer process and you're saying it's not even an option. Like either they do it or they don't. And if they yeah. do it, like it might just be in bologna or something. It's not that much, but yeah, I've, n- I've never heard that before. <laughs> it's interesting. How do you, uh, how do you make the bacon? So the bacon, you ground it up and there's like, go out like hit one of these websites that have the seasoning and stuff. They have the seasoning and cure it, but you like, grind it up you put it in like a loaf pan kind of thing okay and then we smoke it so we'll smoke it up uh however long we think it needs to be and we'll season it and then you kind of take it out of a loaf pan and you slice it like real thin with like a deli slicer mm-hmm. it, it comes out pretty good yeah it's definitely you gotta be careful if you're not familiar with like how to process meat and stuff because some of those cures can be like deadly uh-huh. you gotta use the right amount to it but yeah. uh, most of these things you can buy over the counter anymore uh some of the popular names they have them now for like the do-it-yourself person i give give it a whirl it's, it's pretty good it's you different find, you can find pretty much anything on youtube nowadays can't you oh yeah absolutely <laughs> these big i mean the waltons and like some of these companies too like that's what they specialize in it's it's out there accessible to anybody anymore so we're reaching just over an hour so i have to uh close it down here in a minute um, if you want to tell everybody again where to find you, I'm going to post your links up here again. Maybe your website, if they want to reach out to you and have um, some stuff sent to you, Cerakoted or skull dipping done. Um, but just for the audio part, I'll have you tell them your website and stuff again. Yep. By all means, check out my website. It's droptinecustomskulldipping.com. And another easy way to get a hold of me is on Facebook. And that is also droptinecustomskulldipping.com. And there's options there to message me, call me, call myself, whatever. I'm pretty accessible that way. And don't think that you're too far or I'm living away too far to have a gun done or a firearm or something or a skull or some weird request. And somebody in Oregon and Washington send stuff to me here recently. So, I mean, polar opposite from where I live, about as far as you can go, uh, firearms and things. So if you have an idea and that's not something offered in your area, I can definitely do it and hook you up. And I'm, pretty reasonable too i try to you know keep my prices and everything there for the everyday kind of hunter it's not something you gotta go out and spend crazy amounts on it's actually a lot more reasonable than what most people would think cool very cool well uh dr far i appreciate you coming on here and uh and chatting i'd like to maybe um maybe later in the season october november maybe we'll get you back on and kind of see how your season went and uh absolutely what, what you got going on um in pennsylvania 
show you some of the record ones we're getting in for the area. Maybe even check out those Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd love to see all that stuff for sure. Okay, man. Yep. Uh, well, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. Thanks right. again. You as well, buddy. Thank you.